Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest is Jay Jablonski, co-owner and VP of Applied Marketing at Lead to Market. Jay, it's great to have you on the show. Jeremy, it's very nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. So tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, and about your company, Lead to Market. I started marketing in 1988 when I graduated college and I worked for Prudential Securities. I got a uh, MBA in 1994 and opened my first agency. At that time, we primarily worked for companies like MicroAge and Ingram Micro and hardware distributors. And then around 2001, I opened my second agency, which was Crosslink. That had to do more with technology solutions rather than hardware as the industry matured. And this is the third iteration, I guess, that we opened about eight years ago with an Indian partner that had integrated research um, facilities that we needed and was a natural growth of the business. So this has been something that's evolved over time. (laughs) Okay, very cool. Thanks for that. Thank you. And, And so now I know that you put a lot of emphasis on competitive analysis. Correct. And, you know, I think most marketers would agree that analyzing your competitors is is important, certainly not a bad thing to do. But, you know, what's your take? Why is it, in fact, important to do competitor analysis? I think there's two thoughts around this. There's a distinction I'd like to make. Many, many uh, product marketing departments from technology companies will do competitive analysis and really examine features and functionality between them and others, different packages, different pricing. However, what I really focus on is competitive messaging analysis. I'm interested in the messaging that's most resonant with the audience that we want to meet because they're never going to look at that feature and functionality unless we understand messages that relate to problems that they want to hear about. Yeah. Okay. Great point. And You know, I think that, again, I think it makes perfect sense, just common sense even to say, okay, let's take a look at what our competitors are doing in terms of how they're messaging, you know, right? What kind of language are they using? At the same time, every marketing team wants to develop their own unique voice, right? You don't just, you don't want to sound like anyone else. You don't just want to sound like, like you're trying to sound like anyone else, right? How do you, at the same time, keep a close eye on what your competitors are doing. And at the same time, not let them influence you too much. You know what I mean? To develop your own voice. The competitive analysis is not geared on specifically what they're saying, but the themes that they're addressing. Mm. So what we try to do is look at content engagement rather than just you know, kind of this company X says this and company Y says that Mm -hmm. we want to look at where companies are actually consuming the content in an interest way other than click and open, because you can make a picture or you can do anything to get somebody to click something open. It's got a very low correlation with actual customer interest. So what we do is we try to buy data that allows us to see where is to model engagement so that we can model it in such a way that, you know, companies are downloading things, companies are forwarding articles to other people. It's also reflected in analyst comments where we're really trying to come up with the set of themes or demand drivers that underlie the messaging success. Once we know the themes or demand drivers, we then test them ourselves 
by interviewing prospective customers in a formal survey. And from that point, we have our own trail of breadcrumbs to lead a customer from the problem that they feel across the bridge to the relevance of vetting a particular technology. Okay. Can you give me an example of how all this works? So the recently we worked with a Canadian company called Fluence, and they were a automation of financial close process. That's what they did. Their software would automate financial close process. And there's many competitors in this space. They were selling against archaic technology. When we did our survey, we found that the, we tested that because that came from their product marketing, their product marketing VP. And we found that unfortunately that most companies were not motivated by that because they'd already done something. It might not have been the whole package that Fluence offered, but they did something. So we were able to actually find the demand drivers that allowed us to show where automation of this process had hit snags or had not delivered on the full promise of the technology. And that those were points of frustration for financial departments. From that point, we did the survey and then we pre-released the, the, both the data points and the, the ebook to a number of publishers. And they had two different major articles written on themselves and they're only a $10 million funded startup and they're going and their biggest competitor has received $462 million in funding and has never gotten an article written on them uh, except pay for play ones. So with that, we were able to all generate, and I, I, I'll, I'll send you a graphic to your, that your viewers could, could link to, but they were able to actually increase their credibility in the, in the industry, improve their market targeting. They were able to get a wide viewership on a, an internal press release that they put out. They made blogs that were successful, the most successful they'd had, created gated content with the ebook and took that ebook and their sales leadership made sales enablement uh, material out of it. So by understanding, it all comes, the root of this whole approach is to understand and test the sensitivity of your audience to the demand drivers and the messaging theme that, that seems to relate to business issues that they're familiar with in their industry. Okay. So instead of telling them about us, we want to talk about what they relate to and then track it backwards. So it's kind of an opposite strategy than leading with why we're better than somebody else. You have to first answer, why should I care? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. It it has to start with your audience and right. what they actually care about, not what you hope they care about or assume or they might care. People in about. a room decided they care about. <laughs> right. Right. Because you're you're not them. Yeah. You're not right. them. So, they're the okay. ones that are paying the freight. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. So so the bottom line is, no matter what kind of company you you are, it really pays to know as much about your audience as you possibly can, right? Of course. Is it, in, in your opinion, is it best to do your own competitive research or like your own audience deep dive research? Or can you get away with purchasing it from a third party? That's an excellent question. 
And it's more work, of course, to do your own research. But if you think of the value, like in terms of getting an article written on yourself, you're it, like buying a report has no value to an author that's going to write about you, right? They, because they can get the same report. I mean, and it's nothing that's unique to your company. However, if you go out and you have unique data, they can pull from that. They can quote from that. So from a press standpoint, it's, it's more, it's, I mean, you will not get articles written about you third party if unless you have your own data. You know, it, I mean, unless you just do something amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. the second thing is that you get a, into, if you're trying to develop thought leadership, having your own data that's certified by whatever research agency that you used in order to collect it, gives you something new that the customer didn't know. But if you're trying to talk to a big customer and you're offering a report that you purchased from somebody, maybe they have it, maybe they don't. Once they get it, there's very little reason for them to talk to you because Mm -hmm. they already have the marketing wampum, so to speak. Yeah. Right. If it's your own data, they'll likely have questions. They'll likely wonder how it is applied to their business particularly if it's drawn from their peers. And so I think that that gives an imprimatur that makes the company seem much more serious and make it seem much more educational because let's face it, we know in marketing, we give lots of trinkets, reports, squeezy balls away (laughs) in order to get attention. I think if you're actually doing something that an executive feels that they could learn something from and you actually create the content that it's consumable in, you know, in pictures and numbers in such a way that an executive that's maybe highly visual can see that and you can quote from the data, you have a a much better chance, I think, of getting to the top of the attention pile, in my opinion. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Jay, I mean, to what degree do you think that that holds up, even if, let's say, you do your own original research, and what you find is kind of similar to, you know, other to other findings out there, right, which I think wouldn't be unusual, because it's not the chances of you discovering something that's actually totally new, like absolutely groundbreaking, in your industry is probably pretty low. But you might discover like a, a new twist on something, or I guess this is a long winded way of asking you, let's say you do your own research and, right. you know, you tabulate the data and you say, here's what we found. And it's not earth shatteringly different than what's already out there. Does that still have a lot of value in your opinion? I think from a marketing and sale, from a sales development point of view, it does, because it's all in how you do the framing mm-hmm. of the argument, because if you can frame the argument and start with industry problems and relate them back to the capability, that's in and of itself a differential advantage over most marketing that's published, which starts with, we just won the award for the best company in the world, mm-hmm. or we, or we just, you know, have, have, you know, helped, Chase Bank, do X, Y, and Z. It's, if you can talk about them 
and then frame the argument to lead to your to lead to your solution. It may be the same solution across the industry, but it's really leading with the problem that gives you the difference, I would say, rather than the same technical challenges. Maybe it's the same technical challenges, but mm-hmm. what I think that that I, th- I think the marketing advantage of taking the approach of having your own data and leading with what the customers say gives you a unique perspective on messaging that's often not uh, not not available if you just lead it the uh, if you lead it the other let's call it if you lead it with typical features and benefit type of messaging yeah if that you makes know, sense to you you know it it totally does make sense you no know, i spend a lot of time on linkedin like like a lot of folks and yep. What we're talking about right now and sort of what you're saying, I, I see that a lot. In fact, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's more effective to, to lead not with your own bells and whistles, features and benefits, but with something about the industry and insight an idea, right. something that's about other people. So in some ways, at least I get the impression that this is a well-known idea, but, but maybe it's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, could be, it's, because, idea is, it's hard to execute. You mean, yeah, about, I mean, think about all the moving parts to it. Yeah, I mean, in your experience, do you think it's still more common that a lot of companies are leading with look at us, we won the award, and not enough of, you know, hey, we know we we are we know something interesting about the the industry? Do you think it's still the case that it's imbalanced in the wrong way? I think there's two points of improvement that we could that that we could say to help okay. marketers. One point of improvement is that, yes, it is that way, because if you think about the, the time and effort that it takes to do the content research, uncover the themes, write the survey, execute the survey, which is, you know, getting executives to talk to you by writing them a bunch of letters saying, please, please, please. And yeah. then putting that into a form that's consumable by executives. That's that's a lot of I mean, that's. It's easier just to write what we do and put it in nice graphics and send it out, right? So, yeah. And then, and so that's why when I, I, the first thing I do when I engage a client is I do a competitive content analysis. And you see this all the time, you know, where, you know, they'll have three or four articles that get all the engagement and then they've written 75 articles and 60 of them, nobody's going to get any engagement, right? You know, so you see that all the time. So that's one thing. It's a lot of work. And unless you have a good process to actually bang those things out, maybe you're not getting the volume of content you'd like to have. So that's an issue. But the second thing is, and this is the biggest thing that I would hope to leave your listeners with, is that content many times when I look at it that, you know, in a company, it's like rain. It's all over the place. They're trying to hit lightning in a bottle Mm. with all these diverse topics. I believe that you could, you should, if you're using this as a revenue marketing strategy, which is what we're trying to do, then actually it's really critical to have a set of data that you can use across all the different channels to focus the activity on eventually meeting your sales rep some form or another, because otherwise it don't pay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Yeah. And the, C- I, and the CFO will not stand for that long for a long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
You have to so, demonstrate some generation. Yeah, so you know, you want those facts to be coming out in your press release. You want those facts to come out in your little ads. You want those facts to come mm -hmm. out and you want to lead them back to that learning experience where they go over that report with your sales reps because all those different channels need to lead back to that, you know. Yeah. So having a lot of content just to be generally interested and generally known, unless you have in a budget like IBM, you know, it's pretty hard for a small company or a startup or a, even a mid-sized company to sustain that without some concomitant increase or some concomitant, in, concomitant influence on revenue. Mm -hmm. Of course, mm -hmm. marketing attribution is the hardest thing. It's always been the alchemy of our industry. Yeah, for sure. Now, how in depth do you think that this kind of research needs to be at a given company? Because I can imagine, let's say there's you know, somebody listening who's the VP of marketing in a company and they have a small team of like five people and they're like, yeah, okay, we get it. Doing this kind of research would be awesome, but we're already super busy. You know, right. we can't devote all of our time to doing some huge research project, but how, how much time in fact, do you need to spend on something like this in order to make it credible? Is there a version of it that you can do basically, you know, with, on, on a smaller scale, let's say, and still and still get good returns and still be able to use that data in your marketing in a way that's valuable. I believe that there I believe that there is. I think that what you need what what you need to do is focus on the demand drivers, right? You can do a small, you can do you know some version of this with a with a survey that is you know kind of a Mailchimp type thing or a mm -hmm. poll in LinkedIn or something. But focus on your demand drivers. Try to get some feedback back from your audience. You don't have to do a big giant project. Fortunate, you know, fortunately for us, it is you know it is time consuming. It is hard, and we have a way to turnkey it for a customer. So. <laughs> That's why we're in business, you know, make it a little bit easier. Indeed, indeed. Jay, any final thoughts? I know you already you already left one key takeaway for our audience, but do you have another any other key takeaways or any other sort of final thoughts you'd like listeners to know about? I just think the only other thing I can think is that I found that a lot of announcements about the company are not really helpful in terms of marketing. We just got a hundred million dollars in funding. We just hired a new CEO. Investors like that. But I almost think that needs to be an investor communication. And I find it in marketing communications all the time. And I don't think it buys you much. So my thinking is, is talk about your corporate news flashes and investor communications or newsletters or what have you. And make sure that your marketing is delivering new customers to sales. That's the only thing I would say. I would say. Yeah. Okay. Good. I mean, I, I hear you. I can. I can. I mean, I'm obviously a pretty small sample size, but as I scroll through LinkedIn or whatever, I don't think I've ever once some notice of like, "Hey, we won the next award." I'm like, "Yeah, right." I don't. I don't. So. So what? Uh, I don't you. care. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I, I haven't won any awards. Thanks for making me feel bad. Right. Yeah. I guess I'm just a slacker. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I guess so. Jay, I want to thank you. I want to thank your cat, who we heard from a little bit in the background. Sorry. No, no, don't apologize. I like it's a it's a nice, you know, it's nice for the animals. We're all we're all at home, you know. Yeah, right. We all like to hear from the pets and the animals. So thank you for a really nice conversation. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. And thank you for the opportunity to come on your show. And I wish you the best of luck. Thanks. 
Bye now. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. Engage Your Tribe is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com, that's Conversa with two N's, to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers they need to get to know to grow their business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.